0: And uh, he was preaching, and so he called me yesterday, and we were talking about him at lunch. And then, like an hour later, I got a call. That's always weird, you know. Like, man, is your ears burning? And so he said, "I'm in town preaching." And he would say, "What are you guys doing for Labor Day?" And I said, "Well, you're welcome to come hang out with us, with the family, on Monday." And we've been staying in contact. Uh, we, we we met back up again a couple years ago, and we we go meet for lunch halfway. He's down in Red Oak, right, which is down in south south of Dallas, and uh, we. Hooked back up again, and so we go and iron sharpens iron, and we share what God's doing in our lives together, and we have a great friendship. And I'm so thankful that 20 years later, I, I'm able to have a friendship with the man who led me to Jesus, Amen. So we're so blessed this morning. I said, "Well, if you're in town, I'd like you to come preach for me tomorrow morning, Amen." So we're gonna have um, him come preach for us. But I want you—I want to tell you that God takes him all over. The United States, he's always busy, he's always preaching, he does one, two, three week revivals, and every time I talk to him, he's going or coming from somewhere, preaching. He is what the Bible calls a true evangelist, amen. He has pastored a little bit, and uh, I think he likes evangelism better, amen. You get to come in, blow up, and blow out. You don't have to deal with anything else. It's kind of nice. I did it last week kind of nice amen but i do love pastoring i'm thankful for the opportunity to to see growth amen i've seen tremendous growth in many of you in this church and look forward to seeing what you're going to do so this morning i want you to receive one of the one of the best preachers you'll ever hear one of the greatest men of god i've ever met someone who means a whole lot to me let's just welcome evangelist chris clock for this morning to denton texas amen
1: Praise the Lord. Let's give Jesus a clap offering. Amen. How many of you know that Jesus is worthy today of all praise and all glory and all honor? There's none other like him. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, isn't he? How many of you are glad you're here today? We just finished a revival over in East Texas Friday night. We went for two two weeks over there little town called Brownsboro. Anybody know where Brownsboro, Texas is at? Over there, First Assembly of God over there. It's an old church with a new pastor. He only, he's only been there for six months. And we had a little girl the other night. It was precious to see about an eight or nine-year-old girl receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, she just was speaking in tongues for a long time. And you know, Jesus can touch your children. He can touch the young people. He can touch the older people. How many of you today are open for the Lord to move in your life. If you'll open your heart, he will move by his spirit. Before we get to the word of the Lord this morning, I, w- I want to give a testimony. I just came back from Orlando, Florida, for the General Council of the Assemblies of God, and there were around 26,000 people there. But missions night, there was a, as the, the missions director of the General Council was preaching, he talked about back in, India, actually Sri Lanka, which is an out and off of the coast of India, there was a Dutch missionary who was traveling and handing out tracts. Brother Blake was talking about outreach. And there was a Buddhist monk or Buddhist priest with his orange robe, shaved head, was walking down a dirt road. And the missionary stopped to hand him a tract, but the... the, the, the uh, Priests would not take the Muslim. Excuse me. The Buddhist priest would not take the tract. So the missionary just dropped it on the ground. And this young man picked the tract up, took it back to his apartment, and began to read it. And as he's reading it, he's beginning to have questions about who Jesus is. How many of you know, folks, that Jesus Christ truly is the our only Savior? And as he's reading this tract, he's getting a lot of questions, and he sees in the back of the tract the, the a church address and the pastor's name. And so he's beginning to write a lot of questions down, and he, he writes a letter to this pastor, and the pastor responds and says, why don't you meet with me? And so they begin to meet, and this priest began to have all kinds of questions about Christianity, and he actually became somewhat argumentative. So the pastor of the church said, You know, you need to ask God to reveal himself to you. Now, this morning, let me before I go on with this testimony, if you have any questions, take it up with the Lord. H- human beings will fail you. We're, we're just, we're just clay out up here. But Jesus Christ is your answer. And if you will ask God, he'll begin to reveal himself to you. And so this priest began to ask the Lord, if you're really real, if, if Jesus is truly the way, show yourself to me. And through, a, through some supernatural events, Jesus Christ revealed himself. And this Buddhist monk got saved and turned in his orange robe. He got married and started a church in Sri Lanka. He told his wife, he said, I feel in my spirit that I'm going to be killed because I'm preaching. They begin to threaten his life. And so in that part of the world, there's a lot of hostility against Christianity. And around six weeks later, he, was, he, was, he had a knock on the door. And I'm not sure if they were Buddhists or Muslims, but they... They took him and they stabbed him around 67 times and killed him. So his wife is now in charge of this fledgling church in Sri Lanka. She has the child and she takes the church. And they begin to threaten her now. She began to ask the Lord, you're going to have to protect me. And so she was living in a part of the world where there's no electricity. It's very impoverished and she was getting people t- telling her in the morning, they would say, where was that light coming from that was around your house? And she said, well, I don't have any light around my house. I have no electricity. There's no light bulbs. They said, oh, no, there were lights all around the roof of your little house. Those are the angels of the Lord. That, that lady is now running a 1,000 people in Sri Lanka. And they flew her into the general council for the purpose of her praying for us. And there are around 18,000 people sitting out there. And this lady began to pray in her language. And the superintendent of her nation translated it into English. And as she is praying, the Holy Ghost begins to fall. Let me say something, folks, about this. Is it worth giving your life for Jesus? Is it worth living for him? Is it worth dying for him? In order to really be effective for the kingdom, there must be a purpose and a cause for you to live for him. Coming to church is important. I believe that. I, I, I'm a church goer. I, I, I tithe. I believe in giving missions. I believe in everything that Brother Blake Andrews is doing in this church. But there must be a bridge where you say, I'm not going to just come to church. I'm not going to just do the minimal. I want to give my life. To Jesus Christ, I, I want to give everything I have: my body, my mind, my spirit, my finances, my house, my car. That's really what Christianity is—is is giving it all away. That chorus you were playing uh, earlier when I was coming in the service. I give, I give it all away. And when you begin to give it all away, the prize is Jesus. And how many of you know, folks? There's no one. Like Jesus today, as that lady is praying, and the power of God begins to move on her prayer. Does not really speak the English language, but she speaks the language of heaven. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. We may be more we may be more financially well off than that that, la- that lady from Sri Lanka. We may have more than she'll ever have in this world, but she possesses something that many of us don't, and that is Jesus. And, folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you really want to know Jesus, you have to lose it all to know him. Jesus said to take up our cross and follow him. And, folks, there's a requirement in this. And there's nothing any greater than to know Jesus, not just about him, but to actually get to know him. How many of you desire to know Jesus if you do shout amen this morning? As I I was praying this morning for this service, The Lord begin to lead me over to the book of Romans chapter 5, if you would. Romans chapter 5, it's so good to be here, back here at the Victory Outreach, World Outreach, praise the Lord, and to be with Brother Blake, his brother now, I see his brother out there, I've known him for years too, his dad of course, mom mom and dad, and uh, to see you and see how the church is growing, and several people I know are gone for Labor Day, but I'm glad you're here. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. How many of you want the Lord to speak to us through his word? Whether you're visiting or, or a part of this church, the reason why the pulpit, I mentioned this the last time I was here last year, the reason why the pulpit is in the center of the church is because everything flows from the word. I've said that one more time. Everything flows from the scripture. We believe the word of God is inerrant. That means there's no error in the Bible. There's, we don't believe that this is a full of opinions of men. So some, I remember several years ago, I was getting my hair cut here in Dallas and there was a man getting ready, waiting to get his hair cut and we began to have a conversation and he asked me what I did. I said, well, I'm a, well he actually told me what he did first. He was the school teacher here in Dallas. And then I told him, well, I was a preacher, and he said to me, he said, well, you know, there are many contradictions in the Bible. And I said to him, I said, well, I didn't even know you read the Bible. He said, well, I don't. I said, well, then how do you know there are contradictions in the Bible? Have you ever heard that before? People have told you there are many contradictions in the Bible. And you say, well, where are they? Point them out to me. Let's talk about those contradictions. And the will they have to just say, well, I I know they're in there. <laughs> and you're like, well, I, I read it several times. I'm trying to find one. Would you please? What they're, they're, what they're doing is they're trying to discredit this so they don't have to live by it. Folks, see, let me say this this morning. When you and I die, the Bible says that the books were open, and I believe this is one of them. I believe I will be judged out of this book. I will give an account to God for my life according to Scripture. A lot of people say, well, I, I, I didn't know, as we say in Texas, I didn't know it was in the Bible. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a ticket speeding and you told the police officer, I didn't know, as he's writing, your your fine? Because ignorance of the law is no excuse. And ignorance of Scripture will not dismiss the penalty of breaking the law of God. It's getting quieter in here all the time. If you're going 50 into 30, and you get fined, you can't say, well, I, I, "Sir, I just didn't see the sign. I, I, I'm just so sorry. I was looking at my, I was texting on my phone. I didn't, I didn't see that the, 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 the speed limit had changed." I said, "Well, you know, that you still broke it. You're responsible." And every one of us here is responsible whether you know the Bible or don't. That's why we preach the word so that we can get to know it. It's it's really really quiet in here. Notice, Notice what it says, Paul says, therefore being justified by faith. That word justified means declared not guilty. Therefore, I'm not guilty by faith. We have peace with God. Let me stop right there. We have peace. The, the greatest thing you need in your life is not a Lamborghini. It's not a free ticket to the state fair at Fair Park. that's coming up in a few weeks. It's not a, it's not a, a free pass to the Cowboys game. What you and I need is peace with God. The Bible says, follow peace with all men. If you don't have peace with God, you cannot have peace with yourself. And if you don't have peace with yourself, you cannot have peace with your home. It all starts as my relationship to God. We're seeing violence in America increase, death, burials, drug overdoses, suicides, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, because people do not have peace. How many of you have ever met someone that is always agitated all the time? Now, I I admit to you folks, when I get on 635, I do get a little agitated. If I get on 75, I do get a little agitated. I, I admit that to you. But you don't have to live agitated. You can have peace with God. You, you know why people don't have peace? is because they're guilty. Y'all with me? Have you ever met anybody that's guilty? Have you ever, you were guilty, and you were looking over your shoulder? See who's following you? If you're speeding and you saw a cop, and you slow down, and you're looking in your rearview mirror to see if he caught you? That's called guilt. A person that is guilty before God will never have peace with God. Because the, the Bible says there's enmity, and that word enmity means hostility. That there, there is a barrier between me and God. I, I know people that tell me all the time, hey, Brother Chris, I pray every day If you're guilty, it doesn't matter. There's no relation. I'm going somewhere with this. If you have peace with God, you're rich. There's something like waking up with peace. Going to bed with peace. And it's not about like in the 1970s. Peace. Love. Love. What the world needs now is love. Sweet. Remember remember that old song? Everybody's going, peace, man. What do you do for a living? Oh, man, like I draw flowers on vans. It's just loving everybody. We're not talking about that stuff. That's ridiculous. I don't care if you draw flowers on your van, put a bumper sticker that says coexist, tolerant of every, every sin. If you don't have have you ever seen those people on the news that want their rights for their immorality and how angry they are? They have no peace. They're miserable people. Have you ever met anybody that's miserable and you try to cheer them up? Oh, come on, come on, you can make it. You can do it. And they were on Harry Hines all night. (laughs) Y'all, boy, (laughs) I'm talking to some real people out here tonight, aren't I? There there is no peace in sin. There is no peace in iniquity. And the word iniquity means lawlessness. When the gays were marching out there in San Francisco a few years ago, they were interviewed and they said, Well, you're breaking the law. And they said, We have no law. That's the culture. No boundaries, no barriers. Live and let live. And then they wonder why they're miserable. They wonder why they have no peace. So they have to smoke some weed. no, Brother Blake has been up to Colorado. I preach up there a lot. He and I preach a lot up there. And they've legalized the use of marijuana. Now, it started out to be municipal. You know, if, if you're sick, oh, I've got a pain in my shoulder. I need some weed. <laughs> so I go to a doctor. Doc, I've got a pain right here in my shoulder. Can, I, can you give me a license to buy some pot here at the local marijuana dispenser over here in Denver? Oh, no one. And so they, they ride it out and you go in there. The, but now it is, you can go in there and smoke it in there. And what's interesting is like young people, they get an adult to buy the, 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 the beer, the wine for them. That's what they're doing up there now. They're getting people that are older to buy pot for them. And it's coming to Texas. Same-sex marriage has been passed in Colorado. And only 6% of Denver attends church. 93% of the city of Denver, almost 4 million people do not attend church. There are more people at a football game, at a Broncos game, on any given Sunday than all the churches combined. There's no peace. But we have peace with God because of the blood. Now I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Notice what it says here. Verse five, verse two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, where wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, can you imagine glorying in tribulations? Hey, man, give me some more. Let me read that in the Amplified. Verse five, verse three. Moreover, let us also be full of joy. Now let us exalt and triumph in our tribulations and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and unswerving endurance. I, I don't like people not to like me if I serve Jesus. I'm not even preaching it. If you, if you, let me say something. If you want an easy religion, Jesus is not for you. Become a Buddhist. Be, do yoga. <laughs> Whatever they do out there. Become a, get into yoga. That's really easy. I just meditate. I get in two with myself. And then you become really miserable when you get in two with who you really are. I, I, I just don't, I can't serve Jesus. It, my friends keep pulling me away. My friends, my friends, my friends, my friends, my friends. My amiguitos, mis amigos, mis amigos, siempre, I'm so weak in my flesh. Paul says you rejoice in tribulation. Thank God that we can suffer for Christ. Thank the Lord that he is counted as worthy that we might serve him. I'm I'm not preaching yet. Listen to verse 4. And patience experience and experience hope. If if you want patience, you're going to go through some stuff to get it. And then you get some experience. How how many of you have ever had surgery? Okay, I'm not going to ask you what it was about. Because I want to hear all about your surgeries. But I, I know that I had to have a knee surgery uh, several years ago, and that's a long story. I was in South America preaching, and my knee went out. And the reason is because I had fallen in a basement in Salt Lake City, and part of the, the cartilage broke off and calcified, and was like a little ball in my knee. They had to pull it out. Well, you, you know, I don't want to go to a surgeon that had no experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I could do surgery, here's a knife and some alcohol and some, I'll cut your knee open and it will only cost you $20. (laughs) Serving God hopefully will produce experience and through through tribulation and patience, you get some experience. But some people, they they just want to have a ministry. The Lord is leading me in this because I don't normally don't preach like this. See, some people just want a ministry. God has called me. I received a prophecy. I fell on the floor and spoke in tongues. That's great. Great for the prophecy. But you have to make full proof of thy ministry. There's things you will go through to be used of God. There's some experience. The, the found, well, I'm, I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. I'm, I'm going to get to my message in a minute. How many of you want God to use you? Oh, God, boy. How many of you want God to use you? You're going to go through something, you're going to go through some trials, you're going to go through some affliction. It, 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 it makes you hard. Paul told Timothy, into a hardness as a good soldier. You, you become, we become yielded to the Holy Ghost. It's, it's no, no longer me, it's him. And notice what he goes on to say this in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. This is where I, I want to start preaching. Let me, let me read that in the um, Amplify to verse 6 if I can. While we, were, while we were yet in wickedness, powerless to help ourselves at the fitting time, Christ died for in behalf of the ungodly. Let me just stop right there. In, in order for us to be saved, we have to recognize that I'm wicked. In order for me to recognize that I need a Savior, I re- have to recognize that I'm ungodly. It's not that, well, he's a good dude, man. He's a good guy. If he could just get saved, he could really be good. The Bible says there's none righteous. I know that goes against Joel Osteen on TV saying you're a champion and you're wonderful and this is the best day of your life and all that kind of stuff you hear about there on TV. But don't believe it because they don't have a Bible verse to back it up. It becomes psychiatry. It's to make our self-esteem, wow, I'm pretty good after all. I'm wonderful. Yeah, I'm a drug addict. But I'm really good. I'm I'm a freeloader, but I'm really good. I'm a pornographer, but I'm really good. God just wants to make me a a little better. The Bible says we're ungodly. The word of the Lord says I'm a sinner. I'm going to go somewhere with this. But Jesus died for me. Glory to God. I'm going to get to here some. I want you to, uh, uh, verse verse uh, 8, verse 7. Let me say verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will once die, yet preventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were, yes, sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through him, I want to deal with this and I'm going to preach real negative here and then I'm going to preach real positive. So don't turn me off just yet. How many of you today believe the Bible is true? Now, how many of you have all been told or heard somewhere, we're no longer under the law? How many of you have ever heard that, that term? I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. Okay. What does that mean, I'm not under the law? A person that is not saved, a person that is not regenerated, a person that's not a Christian is under the law. What I mean by that, they're under the penalty of the law. It's like when I talked about if you drive 50 and a 30, you pay a fine. You go before the judge. Has anybody ever sp- had to pay a ticket, a traffic ticket? How many of you have had to pay? How many of you have had more than one? How many have had more than two? How many have had more than three? Four? Five? Six? Seven? I have my hand up. I'm not. Eight. Nine. But you're keeping the state of Texas going. Ten. You just play, paid a whole year's salary. Eleven. How many of you do you think you've done? Twelve. What about you, brother? Okay, I think that's about me too, really. Because I'm always on the road. You got pay to the, pay the fine. Anybody ever got to jail? How many of you have ever been in jail and everybody's innocent? <laughs> I, I preach in jails and everybody's innocent. They're trying to get out because they're innocent. Have, have you ever noticed that, that, that um, the statue of justice, she has balances. And she's blindfolded. Except for part of her eyes can see because what that is implying, she really can't see. So she she keeps the balance that they weigh the evidence. Now the law, the law tells me the requirement of God. I'm starting to feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost come on me right now that the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It it was not written on paper. I've got, this is paper, kind of. It's a Kleenex. It was not written on paper or Kleenex. Moses did not even write it. God wrote it with his finger on stone. And the reason why God wrote it on stone is because paper's flexible. I can bend it. I can tweak it. But you can't bend stone. Have you ever tried to bend a rock? Anybody know what a rock is? You take that rock, flagstone but you can break it. You cannot bend stone, but you can break stone. That's the same thing with, it, with the law of God. You can not bend it, it's not flexible, but you can break it. It's getting quieter in here all the time. And God says, "There's a there's a, Penalty to breaking the law of God. And Jesus said, if you broke one point of the law, you broke it all. You say, well, I've never, I've never murdered a person. Maybe you have, I don't know. But anyway, I've never murdered a person. Have you ever stolen? Then you murdered. Because Jesus said, if you, if you broke one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. Everybody say amen. amen. One more time, say amen. amen. One more time. Come on, help me out, folks. We're we're holding this church, okay? Pentecostal. Say amen. Praise the Lord. We're, we're, Jesus said if you broke it. And then he goes beyond that. He said, I tell you that if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery. Now, was, now, ladies, be careful how you dress around men. I don't know why they keep staring at me. (laughs) Well, have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? (laughs) I hate them so much I could kill them. I would if I could. You just committed adultery. You've committed murder. Oh, that, 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 uh, I, they always get in that new boat. I've been watching just one boat, they've had 10 since I've known them. And you start coveting what they've got. That's a sin. I'm going somewhere. That's why the Bible says all have sinned. There's none righteous, there's none right with God. We all have our issues. There are, I, I like it when people testify in church. See, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Uh, I, I remember Brother Andrews for many, many years. knew his mom and dad many, many years. My grandmother knew them. And, and I always like listening to testimonies growing up. And I found out when they testify, they only tell you the testimony they want you to know about. They, they, they don't tell the whole thing. They, they, oh, God, hallelujah, God delivered me out of this storm of life, hallelujah. I was delivered, praise God. And the church begins to glorify the Lord, but they don't tell the, everything what they were delivered out of. Can I get a witness right now? But God sees the heart. I cannot see your heart. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did last week. I don't know the sins of your past. I don't need to know them. But the Bible says according to the word of God that the wrath of God, the anger of God is against it. Now now I know this is going to tweak somebody's theology here. It's going to make somebody really offended. But the Bible says God is angry with the sinner all day long. He just loves us. He loves me. Come just as you are to worship. Come just as you are to give him. Yeah, I love that chorus. That's not even scriptural. But we think it is because it makes me feel good about me. But the Bible says we've all sinned, and the wrath of God is against all of us. That means we're all going to go to hell. Oh, how can you say that? (laughs) That's so mean. You're a meanie. You're not a nice man. Because that preacher down the street says, I can sin and still go to heaven. Well, he's wrong. He, there, there's an old holiness chorus in the church of God and Christ that talks about that. Not both people are right. You, 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 you can either live in sin and because of sin, because of the grace of God, I can still sin and go on with Jesus and go to heaven or Jesus is right where it says no sin will enter heaven. But what does that mean? What does that mean about me? I, I, I'm lost and how, how, how can I help myself? What do I do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get me a master's degree in psychiatry to try to straighten myself up. And I'm going to find out why I'm all messed up. So I'm going to go to UT. I'm going to take a psych course and find out why my family's messed up why my grandparents are messed up, and why I am. And the more you study, the more you realize, Lord, have mercy. I'm really, I'm really out there. Well, I can't, that, that didn't help me, so I'm going to take some, some, some philosophy classes. Are you all bored in here? I'm going to take me some philosophy classes. I'm going to learn about Aristotle and Socrates and all oh, those men. And they had all these, these questions, like philosophy gives you all these questions about who we are, what we're not, but they never give you an answer. Have you ever gone to a psychiatrist? Okay. <laughs> now, have you noticed, if you ask your, your local psychiatrist, they usually have one themselves. Now, they're, they're trying to help you when they're trying to get some help themselves. Is that correct? She's loud. She, she, she knows what I'm talking about. We're real people right here. We're not, you know, we're not, we're real people out here. Okay. And, and, and um, they, they, they don't, if you've ever gone to a psychiatrist or to a counselor, they, they do not give you any answers. They give you options how to cope. You don't understand. I'm all messed up. I'm a schizophrenic. You know what schizophrenia is? Oh wow. A schizophrenic is like the, there's that fan, and a schizophrenic will say there's a camera in the fan, and it's taking pictures of me. And you take. Brother Blake takes a fan down. He takes it apart. He says, "Do you see a camera there?" No. You put the fan back together, put it back up, and 15 minutes to say, "There's a camera in that fan. There's something under my bed. There's something in those bushes." And you go back there. There's nothing there. That's schizophrenia. So what the what the psychiatrist will do? He'll medicate you, or he'll try to give you these options on how to cope. But it doesn't relieve the guilt. Well I, guess I I'll go to church and, I, and maybe I can get some guilt relieved there and so they start singing the old rugged cross and you start thinking about your grandma <laughs> on a hill far away and you start crying <laughs> they sing that at grandma's funeral <laughs> am, am I Tell them the truth here. Or then they'll sing, rock of ages, Clef. Oh, my great-grandmother sang that. And I feel a little bit better. But it doesn't relieve the guilt. There's still the wrath of God on your life. Because whenever you wake up and look in the mirror, there you are. I got to take a vacation. I got to get out of here. I'm going crazy. My family is driving me nuts. My kids are driving me crazy. My husband's driving me crazy. My wife is driving me crazy. My job is driving me crazy. I got to go to Cancun, Mexico for a while. So you get on Southwest Airlines and you fly down to Cancun, Mexico and you get off the plane. I'm falling away from everything. And then you get in the hotel room and you look at yourself in the mirror. Nothing changed, but you have on a Hawaiian shirt, and that's about it. And there's all this guilt because I'm under the wrath of God. And I can't help myself. And I spend all this money. I go here, go there, do try to alleviate what I'm feeling on the inside. I'm guilty. There's all, I'm full of all kinds of shame. I'm full of sin. I, I say things I don't want to say. I do things I don't want to do. I'm a driven man. Wherever I go, I sin. I can't stop from sinning. My eyes sin. My mouth sins. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh." Out of the heart flow the issues of life. I cannot. Not help myself and then I begin to hear about Jesus Christ that died upon a cross and when Jesus died upon the cross, the wrath of God that was upon us came upon him. How many of you today believe there's still power in the cross of Jesus Christ today? If you do, lift up your hand and wave it and shout amen. Well, let me tell you about the cross. Jesus Christ was the only perfect man that ever lived here. Let me say that again. He was the only perfect man. His blood was pure. That's why we believe in the virgin birth. Conceived by the Holy Spirit in in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He had the blood type of his father. Glory to God. I say glory to God. Come on, help me out. Say glory to God. Lift up your voice and say, glory to God. He dies upon the cross. His body is beaten. Beyond recognition. They place a crown of thorns upon his head. And medical science says that that his head swelled up to the size of a basketball. He was beyond recognition. That's the wrath of God upon him. If you want to know the heinous filth of sin, look at the cross. The Bible says Jesus became a sin offering for us. Those precious hands that were laid upon the sick were nailed to a tree. The feet that had walked along the sand of the Sea of Galilee are nailed to a cross. He's a bloody mess, he's beyond recognition. Is ugly. Is ugly. They try to pluck his beard out of his face. They hated Jesus. And there are still those that hate Jesus today. They hate his word. They hate his church. They hate his preachers. They, they hate the, the, the pulpit. They, they hate the word of God. They hate the Lord. If he came again, there would be those that would still want to kill him. But I cannot listen to me. I I cannot blame them because I'm the one that put Jesus on the cross. It was my sin, my iniquity, my ungodliness. I was under the wrath of God. I had no hope. I was guilty. I was shamed. There was shame in my heart. But somebody told me that Jesus took my place. There's an old song we used to sing many, many, many years ago. Probably only a few of you have ever heard it. And then as I, the the song says, it was written by a black minister by the name of G.T. Haywood. The name of that beautiful song was, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. To to the ungodly, the, the cross is evil. The cross is ugly. The cross is, is horrible, but to the believer, is my salvation. T- to me, it's beautiful. Because I thank God I did not have to hang there. I thank the Lord that I have not had to pay my penalty of sin. I thank that Jesus Christ is my bridge from this life to the next. That because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm under the grace of God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, I'm under the mercy of God. Uh, can I get a witness out here tonight? Uh, oh, church, uh, I, I thank the Lord that he saved me. How many of you today have your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ? If they have, I want you to lift up your hand and say amen today. When I, when, I, when I come to Jesus, I don't come with my rights. I don't come to say, hey, Jesus, I'm Christopher David Clark. A lot of people I think that we think get saved really don't. I've seen people come down to church at the altars chewing gum. Repeat after me. And if you really mean it in your heart, Jesus will do something for you. Jesus, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And there's no change. It's not about repeating prayers. I'm not a Catholic priest. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The Bible says, repent of your sin, you'll be saved. You have to recognize who you are and who he is. I thank the Lord uh, that Jesus saved me. I don't have to preach, I get to preach. I don't have to serve the Lord, I get to serve the Lord. I don't have to go through stuff, I get to go through stuff. Uh, Hallelujah, it's the most wonderful life. Serving God It's the most wonderful life on the face of the earth. Can I get a witness out here today? Serving the Lord is a wonderful life. Well, Christianity, you know, I can't go here. I can't do this. I don't, it's just so much bondage. Brother, I'm gonna tell you something. The people in the world, they're in bondage. Jesus Christ, when I came to him, he broke the chains of sin. He broke the chains of guilt. He broke the chains uh, of, of every type of form of sin in my life. I am been washed. Uh, I have been justified, declared not guilty. Jesus, when he died upon the cross, took my sin, took my shame, and took my guilt. And therefore, I am free. Not what I've done, but by what Jesus has done. How many of you tonight are free by the blood of Jesus Christ yeah. give me another couple of minutes and I'll be done you want peace you can't have a have you cannot have peace without Jesus How many of you all go to Walmart? (laughs) There's a peace counter in there. It's it's called a pharmacy. (laughs) And you can get your doctor to write you a prescription for Valium. Or Havocodin i got to get me some sleep. There is no really peace counter with God in a store. You can't find it at Target, Kmart, Walmart, No-Mart, Dollar Store, Dollar General, Macy's. I've never seen one advertisement for if you want peace. Some of you are so conflicted on the inside. The Lord's speaking to my heart right now, folks. I don't even know you. Some of you are so conflicted. You're angry all the time. You're irritable because of the nature of sin in your heart. You see, Brother Blake cannot see your heart your wife cannot see your heart your kids people kids uh, I've been raised in church I've, I've been preaching for 30 years now and, and and I've had people say my daddy is so mad all the time so angry all the time he what what pray for my daddy I've had wives come up to me my my husband is so angry all the time. I've had mothers come up to me, my kids are so mad all the time. I've had wives, I'm so mad all the time. I said, your only solution is Jesus. And if you reject him, there is no hope. Let me just say that one more time. Without Jesus... Would you come and just play something softly on the keyboard, if you would, honey? I I just got through reading the the biography on Bishop Mason and the formation of the Church of God in Christ. Has anybody ever heard of Bishop Mason? Bishop Mason, have you heard of the Church of God in Christ? He's a founder of it. Bishop Mason was the son of slaves from Mississippi. He was born about 1866. He, he was raised during the time when segregation, the Ku Klux Klan, all of that. But in spite of all of that, Brother Mason preached what they we, we used to call years ago. Christian perfectionism or holiness or sanctification. Because true holiness, young man, will bring true peace with you and God. Brother Mason began to preach that message at a Baptist church in the south and Mississippi. They kicked him out. They said, we don't believe in that here. So he started a little holiness church called the Church of God in Christ in about 1897. And then he was baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1907 at Azusa Street. And that man, he died in 1961, and I listened to his funeral on YouTube. And one of the bishops of the Church of God in Christ was eulogizing him back in 1961. And he was saved in a mason in 1897 and he was giving us testimony, Brother Blake. That'd be an awesome thing to listen to sometime. This audio, this is a video. And when they're eulogizing Bishop Mason, 50 years ago, I'm listening to this on YouTube, you can still feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. as thousands of people are worshiping God in 1961 in Memphis, Tennessee. Because when you have peace with God and you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and you're saved and you're right standing with God, you can worship the Lord. You want to serve Him. Young lady, there's nothing any greater than serving God, honey. Young man, there's nothing any greater than serving Jesus. He can take, young man, the vilest sinner. If you were to think of the worst, heinous sin that anybody has ever committed, or sins, Jesus took it upon Himself on the cross. Maybe you think, man, I've, I've sinned too much. You don't know what I've done. But Jesus does. And the Bible says that he died for the sins of the entire world. And that includes all of you. And it definitely includes me. You remember when Jesus saved you, sister? How long ago has that been now? Years ago, did a, did a, did a load lift off of you? Brother Blake, that night, you got saved. did a load lift off of you? Young man, when did Jesus save you? Did a load lift off, lift off of you? Young lady, when did the Lord save you? Did the Lord, did a load lift off of you? You walk in a sinner, but you walk out a saint. I walk in condemned, I walk out free. I walk out on the way to hell, walk out on the way to hell, and I walk out on the way to heaven. And only Jesus can do that. Young man, only Jesus can do that. Young man, only Jesus can do that. Sister, only Jesus can do that. Do you remember when you got saved? How long has that been? Do what? Where was that at? Africa. You mean Jesus can save people in Africa? Yes. Isn't it amazing? That Jesus is an equal opportunity employer. He takes you as you are and then changes you into his likeness. He, he takes all this sin and he the, the there's an analogy of the Bible that says he takes your old tattered garment and he gives you a robe of pure white. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that beautiful, brother? And no longer is there a breach between me and God. I have fellowship. And you know who is my mediator? Jesus. Not Gabriel. Not Mary. But Jesus. And young man, he loves you loves your wife loves your children he loves you man brother he loves you he loves you and he's calling us to him and you don't have to live a life of sin how many of you this is my last point how many of you lived a life of sin and you got to say a little bit later are you are you proud of that No, are you proud that you lived a life of sin? No, of course not. You got the best deal now, didn't you? Who else lived a life of sin? Sister, do you regret getting saved? Do you regret the old life? Nothing back there you want. But but Jesus loves you, sister. Uh, Is this your family right here? Your grandchildren? You, You listen to Grandma. You listen to your grandma. Serving Jesus Christ is not a best, it's not a better life. It's life. What's your name, young man? How old are you, Anthony? 22. It's life. Young man up there in the. It's not really a balcony, but whatever that is up there. Jesus is the best life. Just standing on your feet with me this morning. You've been so respectful. I'm going to pray before we sing anything, brother. Now, listen, this is the way I do stuff. I'm sure Brother Blake believes the same way, I think. First of all, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin if you're in sin, because I cannot convict you. I learned that a long time ago. I, 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 I've I, had preachers that, that somebody got saved in a meeting and they'll, they'll, they think it was them that said something when somebody got saved and they'll say, "Well, what was it that I said that you came to Jesus? And they'll say, it wasn't you at all. It was that lady that sang a song. I just present the gospel believing that the Holy Ghost will somehow come into your heart and speak to you about your condition. I'm only the messenger boy. Anybody ever sell papers growing up or deliver papers? You did? Did you have anybody? Maybe you didn't, but did you ever have anybody uh, get upset about what was in the paper and they told you about it? The articles? Wouldn't that be foolish? You're just delivering the paper. Alls I am is a paper boy. Now, now, maybe I didn't put it on the right place on your sidewalk. Maybe the dog took it and ate it. Maybe I threw it under the bush. Maybe I didn't say it exactly right, deliver it exactly right, but it's still the truth. So we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then I'm going to make an invitation for you to leave from where you're standing and if you want Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sin, to meet me at the front. But I'm not going to have you bow your head and, l- and raise your hand. I don't do that anymore. I used to because that's how I was raised. I'm not against it, but it, I don't do that. I don't think that's even scriptural do you. So we're going to pray. Then I'm going to, as, as Blake, years, years ago we used to play basketball together, I'm going to pass the ball to you. Now, now you can either fumble the ball, miss the ball, or bring the ball down the court. It's up to you what you do with the ball. It's up to you what you do with this message. Because I'm getting ready to release it to you. It's in your camp. Now, you can just let the ball go by and leave this house and forget all about it. Or you can say, no, I'm going to bring the ball down the court. I'm going to give my life to Christ. It's up to you. Jesus, we've sung, we received an offering, and we've prayed, and now we've preached. Now, Lord, I'm sure others could say it better, do it better, look better. But, Lord, I'm the man that you brought here today to represent you. And this morning, Jesus, I'm asking of the Holy Spirit to deal. I can't do that. That's something I cannot do. But this morning, Lord, there are those in this room that need you desperately. And you're calling them. So Holy Ghost, right now, do your work in Jesus' name. Look this way, if you would.